0: Right, I'm quite excited this morning, I'll be honest, we're starting a new series and I've got lots of words to say this morning um, and I'll probably skip a few but I want you to expect that God will have a word for you and I don't just mean a literal word from the English language, although it might be but God's going to want to say something to each one of us so let's come with expectation as we unpack his written word as we unpack this psalm together Heavenly Father, I pray as we turn our eyes now and we open our ears to hear from you, we pray that you would speak this morning. Show us more of your Son, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at this psalm, Psalm 1 this morning, the way of. Blessing. But before we go there, I want us to think, start by thinking about the conversations we have. Every week, all of us together, collectively, are going to have an awful lot of different conversations, aren't we? With loads of different people. And actually, the words that we say and the words that anybody uses are a fascinating thing, because they can often give you a clue about the type of things that have influenced the person who's talking to you, or even us. For example, I love listening to people I don't know and trying to work out their accent and trying to place them and I'll always go in and give it a, give it a go and 50% of the time I make a massive fool of myself but I still love to try it um, and see if I can work it out. They've been influenced by the surrounding, by the folks that talk in a certain way and they speak like that. But there's also things, tons of phrase that we use that give away things that we've absorbed and we've influenced. Um, Have you ever found yourself going, oh, hearing someone say something and go, oh, that's a so-and-so phrase. I know someone who uses that. Oh, that's something that my dad would say or, or somebody else. Now, my dad had these certain phrases, has still got these certain phrases when I was growing up. And they were dad phrases. And I've since worked out where they came from. Turns out that they came from 1990s TV programmes. And I've had to do a little bit of research here. But let's see how good you are with these phrases working out, at least these first two, uh, what are the shows that my dad had absorbed and enjoyed and was using these phrases with. Anybody heard this one? I didn't get where I am today, Matthew, by dot, 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 fill in the blank. So, So you say, oh, Dad, would you like a biscuit? And he goes, I didn't get where I am today, young man, by eating biscuits. Um... Any ideas where that, I didn't get where I am today, comes from? Reggie Perrin. Perrin, The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin. And everyone else is like, my generation were going, what? Trust me, it's a dad thing. It's a dad thing. Here's another one. Um, Matthew, you might think that, but I couldn't possibly comment. Have you heard that one? Yes. It was a 1990s TV programme called House of Cards, before they remade it on Netflix, for those that are, you know, in the know today, um, you might think that, but I couldn't possibly comment. All right, here's some other phrases. Not saying my dad, you see. Let's see how good you are at guessing where they come from. Um, the game's afoot. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. The game's afoot. Actually, it wasn't Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who coined that phrase. Can you guess who it was? Shakespeare. Believe it or not. In Henry V the games afoot here are some other phrases how about these where do you think these come from beware the green eyed monster Shakespeare another one Othello how about these phrases wild goose chase seen better days it's all Greek to me Shakespeare you got it He's pretty good at coining phrases, this Shakespeare, wasn't he? Um, And I'm not saying we've all read Shakespeare, but they've become common parlance, right? We all say, you know, it's all Greek to me, I've seen better days on a wild goose chase. They've entered into the common language. Here's one, how about this phrase? (laughs) Don't! That's a great phrase. Any ideas? Why, you little? I order. (laughs) Yep. Homer Simpson. Um, Absolutely, from the Simpsons. Uh, What about this one? I pity the fool. Mr. T from the A-team. Some of you are looking at me going, Matt, you've lost me. Look, I had Reggie Perrin in there. Come on, we've got to balance it up. Um, All right, here's one. You finish this phrase for me. Good night, Ma. Good night, Pa. Good night. Oh, that was good. I enjoyed that. That's from... Yes, the Waltons. I've never seen the Waltons, but I still say to my kids sometimes, <laughs> "What am I? <laughs> Clearly, I'm missing out." It just—it sounds dreadful, the Waltons. I don't know what it is. It just sounds awful. Um, but I still use that phrase: "Good night, Marg. Good night, Pa. Good night, John Boy." The kids sort of look at you and go, "What are you talking about? It's fine. It's absolutely fine." All right. So we're thinking here that. Just get this in your mind for a moment, that the things that we enjoy reading or that we hang around or that we absorb can actually influence us more than we realise, so much so they can become part of our language and the way we speak and understand things, even the way that we view the world as society, in whole and as individuals. Sometimes without even knowing it, we end up quoting these things because they become ingrained in us. It's fascinating to me then when we turn to Jesus and we begin to see the things that were regularly on his lips, in his language, his thought processes. Perhaps unsurprisingly, you won't be surprised when I say it's the scriptures that Jesus was so ready and so quick to share and to respond with. He, he quoted almost all of the books of the Old Testament. He quoted a lot of the Torah, the first five books, the Pentateuch. Um, but more than any other book, do you know which one he quotes? or certainly is recorded as quoting in Scripture. Isaiah's close, it's up there. It is the Psalms. It is, interestingly, the Psalms. This collection of songs and prayers and hymns that we find right in the middle of the Bible. He quotes it over and over again. Things like the stone which the builders have rejected become the chief cornerstone. That's from the Psalms. Jesus is quick to use it about himself. He, he says things that like, they hated me without a cause. The Psalms. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have ordained praise. The Psalms. And even as he died, I think we know these ones. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, into your hand I commit my spirit. The Psalms. It's clear that Jesus knew the Psalms. He prayed them. He loved them. These were the honest prayers and praises that Jesus lived and breathed. And so we're going to start a new series, I'm quite excited about it, on the Psalms. We haven't looked at the Psalms as a series for years and years and years as I've gone back through. And I'm calling it Deep Calls to Deep, the honest prayers and praises that Jesus lived and breathed. First of all, Before we go any further, I want us to realise that we may know the Psalms, we may have read the Psalms, but for all of us it will be a brilliant thing that together we will realise that as we get to know the Psalms more again, we'll actually get to know Jesus more. Because they were his hymn book, they were his prayer book, if you like. You sometimes think, I wish I could just hear overhear more prayers of Jesus, or maybe read his diary and really understand, you know, what he was really thinking and feeling. Well, We can get something of that as we turn to the Psalms, the honest prayers and praises he knew so well. And I think it's going to be quite exciting to look at the Psalms in this way, together. And as we get to know the Psalms better, as we get to know Jesus better through the Psalms, I'm praying that our relationship with Father God might be deepened and the way we pray and worship as individuals and as a church might be deepened as well. Deepened in the way that Jesus' relationship with his Father was deep and honest and real and amazing. Okay, so let's. I'm going to whiz through a really quick. What I've got to do, two things today. I want to quickly set the scene of the Psalms, and then I want to reflect on Psalm 1 together. So as we set the scene, and I'll keep this bit brief, there is so much. We could do lectures and lectures and lectures. In fact, I did a whole. MA module on the Psalms. But at least there's some things that we can just touch on before we, um, before we dive in. Perhaps the first the most striking thing about the book of Psalms is that there's lots of them, right? 150 of them. So lots and lots. And there's huge variety, huge variety amongst them. Some are really short, some are ridiculously long, some are full of praise. You know the 119, it keeps going. Let's keep going. Some are full of praise, others are utterly miserable. Genuinely. Psalm 88, I don't want to pray that one, that's a beauty. I mean, it just goes nowhere. It's really genuinely honest. It's miserable. And that's because this is a collection of individual poems and hymns that have been taken from diverse times throughout Israel's history. Some of them might have been written by Moses 3,500 years ago, some by King David, certainly lots by King David 3,000 years ago. Others written later, time of tragedy in exile and then coming back from exile two to 2,500 years ago. But what we know for sure is that these have been treasured in Scripture. They've been collected and held by God's people and are still treasured by us today because they speak so powerfully to us those who wrote them were anointed by the, hand, by, by the Holy Spirit. The hand was guided. And even when they're difficult and even when they're tough, God still speaks through them. Scholars have looked at each of the individual psalms and they've worked out that there are some similarities with certain psalms. And they can group them together in kind of formats of the psalm or genres, if you like. There are hymns of praise, there are hymns of thanksgiving. They share things in common Wisdom psalms, laments, royal psalms, psalms of ascent. Each one of them, despite their age, speaks to us so powerfully today. I think it's something to do with the honesty and the grit that's in the psalms that I love. Are you ever taken by surprise when you read the Bible? Read the psalms, they'll surprise you with how honest they are at times. There are times when I go, am I allowed to pray this? Am I allowed to feel like this? Is this okay? Is this really in the Bible? As we study them together, we're going to realise that they're full of powerful metaphors and pictures. They're profound, they're honest, they're passionate, they're insightful. There is so much they can teach us for what a real and honest relationship with Father God is like. One person wrote that our souls can sometimes feel like they've got trapped Like they're dry and thirsty, they're trapped by walls. And they basically said that the Psalms come along and just smash down those walls and allow us to renew our prayer life and our worship life. Now you might think, hang on a minute Matt, alright. Aren't these about an Old Testament relationship with God? I think that's a really good question, aren't they? Don't we have a different relationship with God now through Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit? And you're right. And I think as Christians we should always read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, through the lens of Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's how we should read it. And perhaps the most extraordinary thing about the Psalms is over and over and over and over again, they point to Jesus. Over and over again in the most amazing way. You see, they may seem unrelated, but there's an overarching theme that they've been shaped, they've been collected and shaped by a final editor in the way we have them now. And there's this journey that the Psalms go on. And it's a journey that basically teaches people this meta-narrative, if you like, or this big idea that goes through the whole thing is you can look to an earthly king, you can look to the people, to humans, but they'll fail you, they'll get it wrong. There is only one eternal king. There is only one person you can trust. There is only one who you can worship and honour and obey, who who calls you to come and walk with him and trust him and journey with him through life, who will never let you down. Hint, hint. There's only one king who is God himself. The Psalms point to Jesus so clearly and they end with this amazing climax, these five Psalms of hallelujahs. If you ever want to just worship, just flick to the end of Psalms, just get to the end. 145 through to 150. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It goes on this journey of depths and despair and highs and lows and lows and more lows and then some highs and then some perhaps and then some heartbreaks and it keeps going and in the end it realises and the Psalms declare it's God. Praise him. Hallelujah. He's amazing. So as we eagerly wait with anticipation and we open this book together this morning, the curtain rolls back and we're presented with a choice. The very first psalm, which path will you choose? God's way or your own way? A choice that faces every human being in this life. Will it be God or will it not be God? And it starts with these two powerful contrasting images as we read through this first psalm. They stick with us from the first reading. Do you want your life to be like a tree, watered, prospering, rooted? Or like chaff, dry chaff, which is simply blown away by the wind? See, it turns out that Father God cares deeply about your life. Father God cares deeply about my life and the choice that we make and the way that we live it. And he desires above all else for us to choose the way of blessing. His way. A life that honours him, follows him, trusts him. The way of blessing. You see, the very first word here, if you look at it, you open the the book and you see someone the very first word is blessed 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 is the one who it cuts straight to the chase and it asks each one of us even here today do you want to be someone who it can be said of you they are blessed this person is blessed blessed is he blessed is she do you want a life that is truly blessed by god Because that's what he desires for you. I wonder, do you, if you're honest here this morning, I know I do. I know I want to be able to say, well, Lord, my life, no matter what's happened, I have been blessed. I am blessed because of you. And I long for the way of blessing this year for me as an individual, for you as an individual, for us as a church. Friends, this isn't some souped up life coaching conference where We have make-believe hype and saying, yeah, you can live the perfect life. This is not what I'm talking about this morning. But I want to tell you clearly that in this difficult and confusing and hurting, stressful, violent world at times, there is a way of life that is called blessed. There is a way of blessing. It does exist. And it's a way under the rule and care and covering of Father God. Those who walk his way are blessed. It can be said of you, no matter what you're going through, you are blessed. The pictures of a tree. It's not a wild tree. If you look, uh, verse 3, it's like a tree planted by streams of water. yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers It's been planted intentionally, with purpose. It's been put in the best possible soil, near to streams of water that's going to sustain it. It's loved, it's cherished, it's cared for. This psalm doesn't promise that the wind and the rains won't come, or the hail won't hit it, but this picture is of a tree, of a life that's like a tree that holds fast and flourishes. God never suggested that the That the blessed life, this is where we get confused, is the easy life. Or a life without struggle, or sometimes even doubt, or hurt, or disappointment, or tension, or pain, or even suffering. Jesus was blessed, but even before he went to the cross, did he know suffering? Yes. These things come to us all, but the blessed life is one where we're rooted in heaven's rich and abundant resources, even when it's tough and truly hard-going, our soul prospers because the tree is tended to, pruned, cared for by our heavenly Father. Yes, in its toughest times, this tree may be taking a battering, but this tree is not drying up. May that be said of you. Its leaves are not withering. It will not fall. It will still prosper, for God is watching over it and his divine waters will never run dry this is the picture of the one who chooses the way of blessing yes things are not always easy but this person is blessed not just once but over and over and over again the word bless is a plural here it should really be blessednesses is the one who dot 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 blessednesses many blessings lots of blessing blessing blessings does this person know over and over and over again in so many ways, forgiveness and grace and encouragement and perseverance and joy and patience and healing, friendship and strength and comfort and presence and filling. This is the way under the rule and care and covering of Father God. May this be, and I say this to you, may this be a picture of your life and my life and our lives together this coming year, the way of blessing. But there is another way, and God wants us to know, and it's the way without God. And sometimes this way can seem more attractive and more interestingly, uh, more interesting, perhaps even more fun. It's not a way that is totally and utterly bad and wicked. This isn't a stark black and white contrast where everyone's awful and wicked or everyone's perfect and lovely. No, but the reality of this other way is that it misses out so much on so much of all these blessings. It's a way, the psalm says, that does not truly prosper. It does not last And the psalm says, leads ultimately to destruction. And you think for a moment, how would Jesus have read this psalm? Isn't this a bit Old Testament, Matt? This sort of simple two-ways thing, right and wrong. Didn't Jesus love everyone? Wouldn't he teach that every path and any path could be blessed? let's think for a moment. Wasn't it Jesus who taught that there were indeed two paths? Enter through the narrow gate, didn't he teach? Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to, the same language, to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Doesn't mean, as I said, that the broad road is always intentionally awful just means that God's not there, God's not thought of, God's not at the heart of it. And people miss out on so much of what God has for them. The narrow way is not easy, friends. It's not simple, but it is blessed. This is how Jesus taught. This is what he thought. And you know, I think it's fascinating to think that as Jesus read this very song, he would have thought, Do you know what, that's why I'm here. That's why I came. So that people might know the way of blessing, so that people might be able to walk in it. And I think he might have thought of something even more profound as he read this first psalm about the way of blessing and the way of destruction. He would have realised that he himself is the way. That's what he taught. I am the way, the truth and the life. And when he says that, it means so much well, it has such power when you realise, when you read it alongside this psalm. It opens up this book, the way of blessing or the way of destruction. The way with God or the way without God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those who walk his way are blessed. It can be said of you, you are blessed. And I believe it's the way Jesus invites us as a church to walk this year, to come and follow him, the way of blessing. Now I need to be quick now. I just want to sense what God wants me to say and share here. I haven't got limitless time, but I want to touch quickly on this, that there is a way, or there is a warning in this psalm, and it's a warning to us that whilst we may be on this path now, it's so easy for us to be led astray, to wander off the path. Listen as it starts. Blessedness is, or blessed is the one who does not step in, uh, walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It uses repetition to bring home the point that what starts as a seemingly small step ends up with you standing alongside and folk that are far from God and then ends up with you sitting, teaching, and being the one that now teaches the mocking and the scoffing against God. It's this progression that can happen that it warns us against. If you want to know what it is to be miserable and to feel uh, how destructive it is, become a mocker and a scoffer and a sarcastic criticizer, And you'll see how quickly the path of blessing has been left. Now this may seem a long way off for you this morning, but we must recognise that it all begins, as I started with, with what we allow to influence us, what we're absorbing, the thoughts and the thinking that we let to come in deep into our lives. The counsel that we take. The first phrase is literally, blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Not just the wicked, as in the totally evil and the you know, the awful, but actually just those who do not know God. Just be careful, it says. It goes back to that idea that these things will shape us in ways we don't realise. And before we know it, we're far from the path of blessing. It's not about avoiding non-Christians. No, just look at Jesus. He hung out with rough fishermen and sinners. You walk with, you encourage, you listen, you love, you appreciate, you honour You befriend, not falsely, but real. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's brilliant. That's what we should be doing. But there's a distinction with Jesus. He never walked in step with them. He still always walked in step with his heavenly father. It's a difference. It's a distinction. He didn't join their steps, but he invited them to join his. And his steps reflected the steps of his heavenly father. You see, in our culture, the idea of God is actually laughable we must realise that for most people in most work cultures the idea of God is laughable it's a simplistic or stupid thing from an archaic past that we've moved on from I remember when Tony Blair was asked by Jeremy Paxman do you remember did you pray with George Bush before uh, you went to war in Iraq and he kind of sniggered and squirmed Jeremy Paxman said well why are you smiling and the reason he was smiling is because the whole thing was so awkward it was clearly seen as absurd it was a mocking moment where you would do something as stupid as praying with your buddy in the White House before you went to war. Well, more fool them if they didn't pray, right? We know the most important thing they could have done would have been to pray. But in the eyes and the counts of the world, it seemed ridiculous. And these powerful voices can sound wise. They can sound attractive. But without taking God into account, they will always miss out on the way of blessing. And so quickly, we can become encamped ourselves. So quickly, we can become absorbed, or we can absorb the influence of certain media that we read. Maybe we read this type of paper, and we think, well, that's definitely God's newspaper, the Guardian, or the Daily Mail, or the Express. I mean, the Telegraph. Um, and you suddenly start thinking, this this must be it. Or you start thinking, yes, this liberal progressive agenda of total tolerance, that must be God's way. Or you think, no, 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 this, we need to get rid of all this PC nonsense and go back to the truly Christian country that we were before. That must be God's way. I want to say to you, stop, be careful. This is not the counsel of God. God's counsel will rise above that. It may be found within either of those places. If I talk about discipline and boundaries and the need for commitment and sacrifice in this life, then don't dismiss it, oh, well, that's old, fuddy-duddy, old-fashioned stuff that no longer matters. If I talk about caring and justice and including the lost and the broken, caring for our environment, welcoming the stranger and the immigrant, don't dismiss that as left-wing, liberal, jumper-wearing, woolly rubbish. No. Come again to the council of God and hear his heart, be careful that we don't just get absorbed and entrenched as we've seen our society do Brexit split us right down the middle God's side, God's side, I don't know which one, who knows, let us be careful that we walk in step with God and his counsel and that we're not too quick to absorb one side or another and before we know it we're stood defending that position before we know it, we're sat teaching that position. And God's not been taken into account at all. We've missed him and we're off the path, path of blessing. Friends, I'll keep it simple. How can I know the path of blessing this year? How can we know it? Well, it makes it clear. Delight. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on the law of the on his law day and night it's talking about the law here but remember Jesus said I've come to fulfil the law and he he taught us the new way his law the fulfilment of all that God's ever intended. And I want to say to you, let us be a church that delights in Jesus and in his teaching. Let us be a church that meditates on Jesus and his teaching over and over and over and pouring over and waiting and expecting until he speaks and we listen and we move together. And may you as an individual and your family Be an individual and a family that delights in the name of Jesus. Don't be embarrassed to talk about the name of Jesus, who he is, what he's done. Let us be people who are proud of Jesus, pouring over all that he has taught us and all the counsel of God's holy scriptures given for us. These things are of eternal consequence. They're not just for today, but they have an eternal value. Those who find the path of blessing will stand strong. Those who don't take God into account. The psalm says, are blown away when judgment comes and are lost. And you might say, well, Jesus wouldn't say that. That sounds a bit harsh, Matt, in today's society. My modern ear doesn't like that. I'm not sure mine does either, if I'm honest. But wasn't it Jesus that said, the one who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a person who's built a house rooted and firm and strong on stone on rock it will go nowhere but the one who hears my counsel and decides to dismiss it and not put it into practice is like one who builds a house on sand and the wind comes and it gets blown away this is what jesus taught us this is the way of blessing friends Where do I start? How do you start this year? Do you want to walk the way of blessing? Well, it begins with realising that Jesus is the way. It begins by starting simple, with a sense of intention and a simple yes. Jesus, this year, I want to invite you to walk with me. The final throwaway comment in the psalm is that the life of the righteous is one that is watched over by God. Do you want to live a life where God watches over your each and every step? It can't mean just a life that God sees, for God sees all lives, he sees all paths. It means a life where God cares for you each step of the way, where you know his shepherding oversight, where he walks with you and encourages you. It's a life where Jesus walks step step by step with you each and every day. It's a life where you wake up and you say, Lord, today will you show me your path? Will you speak to me today? I hear you, Lord. I want to hear your voice. I am listening. The way of blessing is a life watched over by Father God and with Jesus by our side. Can I invite you to stand for a moment, please? I want you to ask yourself, do I desire to walk the way of blessing this year? And if you do, just in your heart now, give Jesus a simple yes. Rekindle again the relationship. If I speak, of commitment to prayer of reading God's word of committing to church in worship and support and service, do not dismiss it as old fashioned but realise that this is part of the way of blessing so commit to listening to God's voice again this year as a church we will commit to reading his word, to praying to prioritising him to celebrating him, worshipping him, and invite God's presence to walk with you every step of the way. Hear his counsel. Prioritise his word. Let's just pray for a moment together. Lord Jesus, We're so aware that you never promised us that this life would be simple or easy. But thank you that you invite us, each one of us, to walk the way of blessing. Thank you that you make it possible for you walked that perfect path perfectly. And this morning we want to invite you to walk with us as a church fellowship And walk with us as individuals. And walk with us as families. Help us, Lord, to realise when we have absorbed the wrong counsel. Not wicked or evil. Just counsel that doesn't have you right in the heart. Help us, Lord, to commit to reading your word. To praying, to loving you. Worshipping you and committing to your family here this year. Help us. Dear Jesus, we pray, walk with us each step of the way. And Heavenly Father, watch over our lives that we may know the way of blessing and walk in it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.